This is HPR episode 1916 entitled HPR Community News for November 2015 and is part of the series HPR Community News. It is hosted by HPR volunteers and is about 114 minutes long. The summary is HPR Community News for November 2015. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Hello everybody, my name is Ken Fallon and you're listening to HBR 1916, HBR Community News for November 2015. Joining me tonight is... Hi everybody, it's Dave Morris. Dave, the man Morris. How are you doing, Dave? Pretty well, pretty well. It's it's cold and stormy in Edinburgh here, but I'm inside, heating's on, I'm good. Excellent, I've got a nice cup of tea. So shall we do this thing? Do you want to introduce the new host? Avoid me yes. there. Embarrassment of (laughs) mewling people's names. Okie doke. We have uh, two new hosts this month, and they are Eric Duhamel and Only Half the Time. And welcome and thank you very much for joining us here on Hacker Public Radio. Long may your contributions keep coming. Anyways, as we always do, let's give you a little explanation about what HPR is. It's a podcast network basically a feed where a show comes out every day, Monday through Friday. And it's been running for over 10 years now. And the funny thing is the people who contribute the shows are random listeners like yourself. You might see people like myself or Dave or Enigma or Klaatu or all the rest uh, come and go from time to time. But basically it's a community effort and there's nothing more to it than that and if you want to know what we talk about it's anything of interest to hackers anything at all of interest to hackers and we mean by hackers we mean all definitions of the word so if you would like to record a show um we have quite a lot of listeners we've liked a lot of people who subscribe we've got quite a lot of people who download and listen and we would like to increase the number of people who contribute shows. It makes it a lot easier for everybody else. If you're considering doing your first show, if you listen to a lot of podcasts, then no harm to get involved. It's really easy to do. Uh, more than likely, the device you're listening to this show on has the ability to also record audio. So um, just what you do after listening to the show or right now is pause it, press record on that, re- introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your technical background where you are in the world and basically go to the website and upload the show go to uh, contribute and there uh, press the upload button and then we'll do the rest is that pretty much it dave i think that's pretty much it yeah yeah we could go into a lot more detail but uh, now's not the time i think
No. And we do this show here once a month. Uh, anybody can join. It's at awkward time for everybody except Dave and I. So uh, uh, just really why we uh, we are uh, on it mostly. But basically anybody can do it. And we can switch the time as well if it's more suitable for other people. And basically it's just an opportunity to go through the shows that were on last month and uh, read out some of the comments and the feedback on it because... Um, a lot of the times you don't hear a lot of feedback about your show so this way you guaranteed that to know that a few people have listened to it and uh, what the general reactions to your show was and then we also give you a rundown of stuff that's on the mailing list if you're not on the mailing list you should join it it's fairly low traffic and uh, there is where uh, if there's anything to be discussed, such as policies, uh, not that it's a, pretty much a free-for-all, but if there's anything to be discussed, it gets discussed over there on the mailing list. And uh, that's about it. Shall we start, Dave? Let's do that thing. Okay, well, the first one was uh, 1819 Community News for October 2015. And following that was LibreOffice and Press and this was Tables. This is a Hookah's continuing series on LibreOffice. Hang on, Ken, are you looking at the right uh, the right list? Probably not, Dave. <laughs> According to me, um, the month started with 1891, which was the community news. Is that not right? That's correct. And then I opened that, and then I started clicking on the links in that episode. <laughs> That's because, <laughs> as everybody who will be listening to the show, I am an idiot. <laughs> Well, well, I'm not making any comments because I'm going to do something stupid tonight as well, probably. So, <laughs> All right, yes. 1892, My Chicken Coop. And do you realise we're only one show away from Chicken Coops being a series on HBR? That tells you what's wow. of interest to hackers. Yes, if, yes. It's, if it's three shows, it's a series, folks. I hadn't appreciated that. I didn't realise there are any other chicken-related uh, shows on. Yes, there are. There are. You have to go back. Um, I... I nearly, I, I just had a very hard day of work, right? And I come down downstairs on my way home to the bus. And this was the exact episode I needed to drag me out of the doldrums. It has everything that you want in a HBR episode. It's awesome. Thank you very much, Jezra. It was a beautiful episode. I know it, it and very well described with, with interesting bird noises in the background so it was very impressive how you got that recorder set up to to play them back at the right time i don't know it could have been real of course yeah. <laughs> that was a very feeble joke sorry about that. But, uh, yeah fantastic fantastic i i'd love to love to see more pictures of this wonderful thing um, now um, my uh my plan is to find out where jezra lives go uh take a flight to the u.s get one of those megaphones stand outside in the middle of the night and go door open door open in Jezreel's voice <laughs> that's just mean <laughs> oh yeah excellent so there were the comments on that I imagine there were yep there were comments so we had John Culp some foul commentary Ba-doom-tsh. genius uh, foul is F-O-W-L genius as always love the comments from your foul words oh <laughs> Wah, as in, wah, as wah, in prison, wah, wah. as in prisoners, no doubt. Yes, yes. Are <laughs> uh, you doing the next one? Or are you just oh, yes, to, sorry. Are you just going to sit there the whole evening drinking your it's scotch? This, and, uh... this, this push to talk thing, you know, is, is, oh, 
talk before push is the problem. Anyway, Colonel Sanders, I thought was quite a nice <laughs> Colonel, as in K, as in K E R N E L from Mike Ray. What Great episode. <laughs> Great episode. He says, "What happens if not all the chickens are inside when the door shuts, or worse, the door shuts while a chook is standing on the threshold? Maybe a keypad on the outside of the door, which they could peck <laughs> for entry." I was actually thinking about this. How did he get the chickens inside? To which Jezra replies, if it's dark outside, yes, light inside, all the birdies come, will be in the coop. Any bird that isn't in the coop when the door closes will be outside for the night and may end up being for a meal for a raccoon, skunk, fox, coyote or other predator. If a bird is standing in the doorway when the door slides closed, there will be a door closer. I will receive a text message as well as an email. The 12 volt car antenna is powerful and enough to crush anything that's in the doorway. Oh, dear. Uh, just visions of a half-eaten chicken. <laughs> okay, no, no, I'll, uh, I won't share that with you. Decapitate. Oh, no, no, perhaps not. No, that, that's that's pretty amazing, though. It's pretty amazing. My my dad did this when we were kids. Had We had chickens, but what he did was he built an enclosed run with a chicken coop at the end of it so the chickens didn't get out, you know. they were, And then yeah, you just yeah, moved yeah. The, the run around the garden to, to clear. You cleared all the weeds from the garden that way, and that was what he did. But yeah. Jezra's uh, being much more advanced with his uh, his setup. I brought this uh, to the attention of my brother-in-law, who now has chickens. And actually, I don't know; he has nothing around to protect the chickens at night. I'm surprised they they haven't been attacked or eaten or whatever. But anyway, um, the following day was my last pass alternative, and it was by two jet and part of the privacy and security series. And he uses key pass for his uh, database or his uh, client and he syncs it between devices on cloud etc 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 he uses uh, three uh, plugins for Firefox, Chrome and Android and then when he's on a machine that he doesn't control it's remote access browser pass the only thing about this was I was a bit concerned about that last one that if you're accessing it over the network that is a bit uh, of a security risk, I would have thought. Yeah, I'd be nervous of that. I, do you know? I had I didn't know anything about these. I use KeePass X because I don't think KeePass was available for Linux um, back in the day. I used to use KeePass on Windows when I had to use Windows mm-hmm. quite quite some number of years ago. And then I wanted it on Linux and it wasn't available. Uh, and there was a spin-off, a fork of it, I think. Was it KeePass X? So I didn't know that it had moved to this and you could use it from within uh, within browsers. Oh, it was very useful to, to find that out. Yeah, pretty cool. I have um, My wife uses KeePass X as well. Um, I was going to use it, but I already have a system set up with SSH. And, yeah, I just SSH to a local, my internal machine, and then I uh, run some scripts to generate passwords and save them and stuff. So it's a, yeah. It's on my list to move to something else, but on the other hand, my system has been working quite well for a while, so... Right, sounds fair enough. If it ain't broken, don't fix it. And the following day was an episode I did with uh, David Zally and Dr... Uh, oh, God. Dave, can you help me with the names? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. David Zilly and Dr. Marianne Sinker, the Humbug Project. Thank you very much. And... Um, 
Yeah, uh, basically the biggest killer in the world is uh, by far mosquitoes. So uh, this was a idea. I had put a, put a blog post up to, you know, I'd seen quite a lot of stuff about mosquito, um, uh, mos- you know, mosquitoes killing people. And I had a blog post up and somebody put in the comments uh, and put me in touch with these people. And they were gracious enough to do an interview. I, I really enjoyed doing this interview. I don't know if anyone else did. Well, I thought it was wonderful. Um, I, I I wanted to quibble about mosquitoes being the killers because they're not they're the vectors yeah, of the killers. Yeah, yes, but yes. then that's just me being OCD and <laughs> and having yeah. to be precise. Yeah, just. But then just, again, uh, it's the guns don't kill; it's the bullets, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's it's a it's a fantastic project that they're doing. I was extremely impressed with with the work that they're doing. I would not have thought to approach it in that sort of way, you know, because they're they're trying to work out where the damn things are in our yeah. mass so yeah. they can yeah. they can then take action to an area rather than you know knowing there's one in in the room which is what your interest was originally wasn't it yeah know i'm that, interested in knowing if it's in the room pretty much yeah though that that would have have benefits as well um you you were saying that you you and your family have allergies to these things well when I was in the Far East I've been there a fair number of times there are certain mosquitoes that bite me and I get um, sort of great swellings that are about the size of a of a saucer. So on the back of my hand once, I, I couldn't use my hand for, for nearly a week because it wouldn't tense because of the, the swelling on it, you know? Wow. That, I, so I feel I feel your pain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got blisters and all sorts. Ugh, very, uh, very uh, annoying, annoying stuff. But, you know, it's it's not a simple issue to solve, so I'm really glad they've done this. I'm trying to line up another uh, interview with the the guy who's made the hardware uh, for that, but the timing isn't working out, so we'll hopefully it'll be coming. Anyway, uh, Steve Bickle um, commented saying it was a good episode, one of his favorite HBR episodes. Excellent. Uh, Amazing project, fantastic interview, fantastic content. Just want to say thanks for interviews. Um, okay, cool. Thank you very much, uh, Steve. And then uh, some geezer called Dave Morris said, great interview, great project. This was a fascinating episode. Thanks. I wasn't aware that mosquitoes were particularly prevalent in the Netherlands. I sympathize with the allergy issue. I wasn't either. I wouldn't be here. No, 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 absolutely. (laughs) And I said what I just said to you, I'm also allergic to bites, but not to UK species yet. And there aren't many in Scotland, probably yet, though as it gets warmer, who who knows. And I was also unaware that there are mosquito species in the UK which are potential disease vectors. I did not know that. So just waiting for somebody to come in with malaria and for these things to start uh, moving it about. Um, um, there were, sorry, I saw on our program is that uh, a lot of tyre, you know, uh, car tyre recycling plants where they bring in car tyres to countries has become a, a big vector. So they uh, they will buy, you know, old used car tyres to recycle them. And inside in the car tyres, there's uh, water. And in there, the breeding, the mosquitoes are breeding during the entire passage. And then they were brought to uh, recycling plants in Europe. And around the recycling plants, um, uh, malaria has, has started coming. Would you believe it? Push to talk it's, to there's thank you there's pl- plenty of other diseases as well as malaria um i've changed my push to talk key and i keep losing the damn thing um sorry about that so yeah there's 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 all there's a great list of horrible diseases quite a number of them fatal too that uh, associated with that anyway getting back to m- my comment 
there's an urgent need for new action against mosquito-borne diseases. And I said I was listening to a podcast about the worrying growth of mosquito resistance to bed nets treated with pyrethroid insecticides just the other day. Um, so, you know, it, gradually, although bed nets have done a lot of good work, it's it's not, um, it's being evolved away from you know, evolution is uh, yeah. is 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 um inactivating it um so yeah anyway i'll stop there okay let's move move on to the following day we had libra office and press oily objects spreadsheets and charts and the more i uh, and this is nothing critical against the this series but uh, i i've had to do some um work with my my children have to give uh, presentations in school uh, you know to, to practice that sort of stuff and they have to have these objects and i've had a very frustrating time working with LibreOffice. thankfully um is my frustration has been made a lot less as part of this episode but i will say ole is the absolute as a network administrator for five years it is the absolute bane of administrators lives because somebody will email you a a document that will have links to four other documents the four other documents are stuck on somebody's hard disk somewhere and nothing works because of the object linking it is absolutely the worst idea that anyone could ever have come up with there <laughs> yes i i tend to agree i i I've used it long, long ago in the past with with Microsoft stuff, but not um, not, not not very much. My daughter's currently doing was well, just doing a presentation at, at university, and the way that she and her group dealt with it was not by you know OLEing stuff around. They just used a um, a Google Doc, I think, and then shared it between them. Um, yeah, that's one option. Yeah, yeah. So. Hey. I think the whole LibreOffice, and forgive me as I go on a rant here, but I think the whole LibreOffice, and this is largely because I got so frustrated with this documentation that I was doing. Um, and as a side note, I'm using that rewrite uh, markdown thing that you and John, a retext markdown editor, uh, for uh, a lot of my work now as an attempt to see is markdown the future nirvana that you and John seem to, <laughs> seem to think that it is. So, like we've gone from two extremes, one of heavily linking objects to being very, very, uh, very, very plain text formats. But anyway, my thoughts on LibreOffice and Microsoft Office, I think that it, that's a technology whose day is done. It comes from an era where people had one computer and that computer was their desktop computer and that was it. So everything was located locally on that. And the whole thinking behind that is located locally on that. And the whole paradigm breaks when you go to a network environment. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, it's going to be a long while before it goes away, I suspect, though, don't you? I mean, most... Uh, <laughs> well, I don't most... know, because I, I was thinking about this, right? And you're doing a, um, an, you're doing a drawing. You have a, a document, and then you want to do a drawing. You want to embed the document in there. And I'm just thinking to myself, is it not better to go spend a week uh, learning um, the the um, screen, hedonx.org screencasters Inkscape tutorial? Just spend a week going through that. You'll know how to use Inkscape at the end of it. And it produces SGV standardized 
drawings that can be embedded on a website. It produces PNG if you must or JPEG or whatever. And then you've learned uh, to use a tool for the job, you know, pick up the tool for the job. That's, you know, as, a, as an engineer, uh, the first when I was doing apprenticeships or quasi apprenticeships, the, the fitters would tell me, use the tool for the job. Don't use the vice scripts for everything, you know. So, do you yeah. know what I mean? You know where I'm coming from. Use the spanner sometimes, yeah. yeah. And it's also cleaner because you do your you do your drawing there, and you make a drawing, and then you use a text document to do your text, and then you use your style sheets to apply your style sheets, and you link the whole thing together, and that's it. You're done. You've learned. You've learned code. You're. <laughs> you know, each of them live independently. <laughs> anyway, you know. Yeah. I do use LibreOffice myself occasionally. The thing I use it for is um, if I want to write an official-looking letter, like a complaint or something, yeah, um, fair enough, yeah. then, you know, and you've got a template, a letter template, and, and, and it's a really quick way of getting together a good-looking letter. And things, you know, the whole templating business is, is very useful. I'd, I'd want something that was able to do that well other than, than LibreOffice before I dropped it totally. No, I get I get your point. And I am being a little bit... But I think the use case, for me at least, I don't do that much of that. When I do need to do it, yes, I'll use LibreOffice. But I'm thinking, any other documents that you do, look at Latex. You can instantaneously tell a document that's been written in Latex. You can always could. It looks so clean. It looks so elegant. Everything is laid out perfectly. You just know what's been done. And it's one of the things on my list. In all the in all the time that I was struggling with Microsoft Word or whatever, if I had spent the time and learned to do latex properly, all my documents would look awesome still today. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true actually. Yeah. We we did used to use LaTeX before we had Microsoft Office um at work. So yeah, and I've written big um Big documents in in that in the past, and you're right, it it is. But boy, was it a struggle to? Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Because it's a mark, it's a markup language, and yeah. it's it's very very hairy indeed. Yeah, yeah. Okay, moving on. New new host, uh, user local software. And first episode uh, started uh, coming from GNU Linux September 2012. So I was getting on there and um, put his uh, programs in. Uh, home directory, local and source, and local and opt. What do you think of that, Dave? It seems like a pretty good choice to me. Um, I've never actually done that myself, but it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I come from a background where you had a workstation on your desk back in the Unix days, and you could drop things in uh, uh, user local source and user local bin and stuff because you ha- usually you had to because that's where they wanted to go. If you uh, if you run make on them and stuff, so I just got into the habit of doing that. But he's right that that's that's uh, for things that are just local to you. It's not necessarily a good idea. Yeah, I use um, uh, bin quite a lot, uh, home bin, and then um, yeah, so do I. Yeah, uh, for my source, I have a source code directory actually, um, and in there I put all the Git stuff that I have. So actually, it's a but it's a good idea. The local opt is it seems like a good idea. Yeah, it's, it's might a even fine catch idea. Absolutely no. I think it, it's a great, great, uh, great thought. It's uh, it's it's efficient and sensible. Um, yep, no problem with that. And Anthony uh, Venable had um, uh, Swift one hundred and one had a 
program on installing Windows 7 Ultimate. On, hold on, uh, hold on. You you missed the, the comment on um, Eric oh, Hammond's um, Sorry, thanks, thanks, thanks. Uh, shall I just do it? Um, there was a comment by himself, in fact, which uh, he said other ideas. Anna Kep had another suggestion. I designed tilde.files.d to organize all my software and files, all my, all my daemon software, personal code backups, auto backups. So tilde.files.d. Mm, very good. And the advantage of that is it's a hidden directory. Yeah. So yeah. you're not messing up stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. The, the cool thing is, regardless of what they pick, if it's in your home directory, your backups are going to get it. So, yeah, whatever floats your boat. I like it. So, again, installing Windows 7 Ultimate. Windows, not something that we hear about quite a lot here, but HBR is about all stuff of interest to hackers. So, um, yeah, it uh, it was uh, interesting how you can revive a old computer with a 320 gig hard disk. The only thing about uh, this is I don't know how many people are doing uh, own computer bills now and buying Anytime that I bought a computer and bought it so that I could upgrade the processor and stuff, I ended up not doing that because by the time I got around to upgrading the processor, the processor that would be available for that type of motherboard was no longer available and it was really expensive to buy, so it'd be cheaper buying a new motherboard and processor. So, Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Although I just am in the process of setting up an old Pentium 4, would you believe, for a for a friend who uh, has a Pentium 4 with Windows on, and I was going to ah. con convince him that um, it would be better if it, if it had Linux Mint. I put Mint Mate on it, and it goes pretty well. It's pretty Ooh, nice. nice. So yeah. I don't know. If, I don't don't know whether I'll convince him, but uh, I was going to say, well, you have this and play with it, see what you think, and uh, you know, you might prefer it. Yeah, so, so, so you know that that's not quite what you were saying, but it, it is resurrecting an old an old machine. So uh, yeah. Yeah, quite a quite a feeble one too. So there you go. Not Windows though. No. Um, following day, eighteen ninety eight. Actually, I don't know if it was. A there day. was there were some comments on that oh, one. Oh yeah, thanks to God. One far ahead. So um, Guy Watkins said, "Update the firmware." Sometimes a firmware update will add features to a motherboard, like newer CPU support and more RAM support. So see if a firmware ah, update will one. allow yeah, you to yeah. go to. Yeah. So I, I thought it was a really helpful comment. Yeah, good man. Regardless, it's something people forget to do. Uh, upgrading the firmware. And the other one. Yeah, sure. Uh, Mi Hunt. I think people are putting in shows here like Bart Simpson does when he rings the uh, rings the bar. <laughs> so catch us out. Anyway, there's ideas for for other people to fill in comments. Enjoyed your show. Nice piece, uh, informational basis. Nice to hear someone from my neck of the woods, more or less. Grew up in the Richmond area. Hope to hear from you again. Cool. So the next one again. Free uh, my music. And there's one comment on this note to self and it's how um, Alpha32 got uh, music off his Mac onto Linux fully switched over and yep pretty pretty cool pretty pretty unfortunate what happens to your music when you import it into uh, into other people's systems I should I don't like people messing with the naming file names and stuff on my my computers no that uh, we used to run iTunes on 
the window, the family windows machine, and the, it accumulated a bit of music on there. And I, I remember being intensely annoyed with the, the way it, it kept messing around with the tags and stuff. Mm. Made me made me a tag Nazi. <laughs> yes, I've noticed, Dave, and there's many li <laughs> many lines of pearl to prove that statement. Uh, Shane, you figure had a comment by Tor and the Snow Dog approve. Thanks, Alfred32. Never bothered to put my music in a MacBook Pro, but I got tons of archived podcasts on there. Uh, I could transfer over to my external storage. So thanks for the tip. Good idea. Archiving podcasts is a good idea. Generally, I'm, I'm regretting the deleting my podcasts after I listen to them because they tend to disappear after a while which is why you should go over to textfiles.com or archive.org and there you'll find archives of a lot of podcasts if you're if you can no longer find them yeah good idea so uh, my tiny to-do list doesn't have any comments uh, it's done by john the man culp or dr culp as we should now call him um this was my tiny to-do. I had never heard of this. It's like a web-based to-do list thing. Requires PHP and uh, some database connection. PHP SQL Lite will work. Again, yeah, I, very informative yeah. episode. Loved it. Yes, absolutely. I, I really enjoyed this. An interesting tool. Um, just the sort of lightweight thing that uh, that is quite uh, quite good to know about. I didn't know about this. So yeah, I um, I haven't actually got round to installing it but I, I might well check it out uh locally and see how how if, if it will suit my needs problem is i tend to use these uh to-do apps for about three weeks and then uh completely forget about them i uh, put there's one called simple do mm -hmm. for android which was recommended on tux jam a few episodes back and i tried that out but i just couldn't get on with it at all i'm not really keen on android apps because i a, I can't see them, and B, my fingers never seem to find the buttons. Ah. <laughs> so, so it's not for old people, these things, you know, that's what it is. I know, when you I get know. to a certain age, you shouldn't be allowed to have Android phones and smartphones and stuff. I have a, um, a chap in work uh, got me two plastic strips for either side of my monitor, and uh, I have a little postage stamp size uh, post-its that I put on those and so on the left is stuff I need to do right in front of the monitor stuff that I'm doing and on the other side is stuff that I need to do long term and then when I'm finished I post it on a uh, square A4 calendar with one month for each thing and then put it on the day that I've done it it seems well, to work it's funny you should say that I thought John's comments about his boss doing doing something exactly. like that I was going, hey, it was <laughs> well I did the same I found a an old um, Perspex sign in the dumpster, <laughs> and it was quite big, and it was uh -huh. it was quite a nice shade of green. And I just turned it backwards, so I got the green and stuck it on the wall of my office, and uh, and I and it was great surface for sticking post its on. Um, yep. So it had loads and loads and loads of them, sometimes stacked up. <laughs> yep, exactly. So it, uh, yeah, yeah, mm. yes. So, so. I the same thing. I and sometimes. Uh, four things I'm investigating and they all turn out to be linked to this one thing so I daisy chain them with sellotape and then uh, when that one thing's fixed I can I can get rid of all of them yeah whatever, whatever <laughs> works that. for you I think is the to do to do things people are like oh, what sort of old farts have we got here <laughs> anyway 
Anyways, <laughs> it's hacking, guys. It's hacking. Whatever, whatever works for you. Ahuka, 20, privacy, security, SSH, basics, stuff everybody needs to know. And there was a comment on archive.org, actually. You put this one up on archive.org, and there was a comment on this saying very clear, concise episode. Yes, that's right. We we, we got a notification from archive.org that a comment had been uh, attached, which was a surprise to me. I didn't, yeah, I didn't did even that. know that was possible. Quite, no, no, it was quite cool. I was going, yay! And now also going, oh, now I have somewhere else to to start gathering information and, and uh, putting it together. But that's cool. That is... Uh, yeah, very nice, very uh, very good episode, and it also triggered fifty one fifty to do an episode, which is cool. Okay, the following day there was no comments on that one, uh, other than that comment. Uh, installing Linux programs without the internet, and this was uh, Swift one ten, and there was discussion. Actually, there's no comments on this, but there was just. And um, let me just tell you what it is. He's talking about how you can install programs if you don't have access to the internet. And there was some discussion on the Oddcast Planet mailing li- uh, IRC channel, which apparently there was comments on the IRC channel that I don't mention the IRC channel in the uh, this show, the community news. So we should make sure to mention that as well, that there is a channel. If you go to irc.freenode.net, hash Oddcast Planet is where... A lot of the podcast listening and contributing public uh, hangout. Anyway, there was a comment about that. What was the point? You know, when would you ever use this? And uh, there are there are times when you might not be away from the internet, but you're inside um, a secured area that you're not allowed out to the internet. And excellent episode for supporting that. Although, if those sorts of environments don't particularly need super tux cart racing, but I do as an example. It's a it's a good example. Yeah, the principles principles useful, isn't it? And the fact that um, Mint Mate menu hacking was pretty straightforward was interesting. Yeah, like I said I was just just playing with Mint Mate myself, so yeah, interested useful to there. Yeah. see how to do that. And that's the thing, folks. If you're thinking that you there's something um, that other you know you know and you, you assume that other people don't know, or you think why would I ever do that? You record a show because it will always uh, it will always Somebody will always get something from it. It might not be like masses. Of, it might not be the most life-changing thing in the world, but it might, you know, just be the exact thing that somebody's looking to make their life a lot easier. So, um, yeah, please do that. I think there's actually about ten or twelve things that I've heard from people, and uh, there's a lot more that I use absolutely every day. I heard that on HPR. It was a tip, and I probably never went back and thanked the people for it, but you know things i use absolutely every day or you know i've come across and went hey where did i get that and find it on hpr yeah absolutely it's it's uh me too i i've got a fair number of pointers to things through uh through hpr it's just that thing of other eyes finding things that you'd missed yourself yeah, you know yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's the it's the the crowd thing isn't it yeah it is it's uh yeah and you know if if you think, hey, nobody, this is too simple for people, you know, record it because somebody's always coming to, uh, it's new for somebody else. It might be old hat for you, but it's new new for somebody else. Speaking of cool series that you can do, what's in my toolkit? And a lot of people have done like, what's in my bag? What's in my, um, yeah, what's in my actual toolbox and stuff. Uh, but uh, Finn took the idea of doing uh, the tools applications that he uses of a day. Excellent idea. And a lot of these things I would never 
never heard heard of before. Some of them I use regularly. Some of them I have used in the past. But an excellent, excellent idea. Yeah, absolutely. I, I quite agree. In fact, I commented on this one, which we'll get to in a moment, to, to that very effect. Farad? Oh. Yes, um, the comment was that I that I sent in was, nice list. Hi, Finn. Thanks for this list. There were some good items in there that I'd never come across before. Having been wrangling Unicode recently, I like what Goo Charmat, strange name, GU Charmat offers. Mm. I uh, use Ocular for PDF viewing, but Evince's annotation features are interesting. It's apparently available as Document Viewer under XFCE, which I currently use. So plenty of things to explore. I have been using Document Viewer as well because uh, there's a strange bug that's happening on KDE now, uh, on my KDE, KDE 4, Fedora 21. And when I'm opening the file open dialog box, it's incredibly, incredibly slow. And Ocular has ground to a halt. It used to be super responsive and then has ground to a halt. And I cannot get to the bottom of what it is. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, KDE's going through some funny, mm, funny stuff yeah, at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I, I've switched away from it for the for the time being till it stabilizes. That's why I'm on XFCE just now. Seriously, like you had KDE three, and then the blast that away for KDE four, and then KDE five comes along. I don't um, don't know. I will have something to say to the project at Fostem. <laughs> Actually, good wondering, I'm wondering should I because I'll probably you know. Uh, You'll Stop. be in a long queue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, uh, Zloster, thank you very much. Zloster said, nice list. Uh, I would like to thank you for the list. Uh, he uses They use a lot of these programs. Don't know if it's he. Um, some additions to the list would be uh, Transmission Remote GTK. Uh, if you want to manage transmission daemon running on a remote machine but don't like the built-in web interface. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. Neither do I. Maybe Zluster could record a show for us on that topic. Now there's an idea. See what I did there, Dave? Huh? <laughs> I'm impressed. Plenty of practice. Plenty of practice. Dave, the man Morris, for the bash tips. And as I said, I think in the comments to this one, that uh, didn't know that was even possible, the plus equals which is obvious now that you've said it, but uh, so I went back and rewrote a lot of my scripts that just I got more and more complex because I was doing count equals count plus count or count plus one or whatever. So yes. excellent. Yeah, there's this. The reason I'm doing these is because there's so many strange little corners of Bash that I never knew about because I because they've been adding them, you know, in fairly fairly recently in the last sort of couple of years and so on. So it's well worth having a good good look through the man page again and having found good stuff. Well, you know, you want to share it, don't you? Absolutely. And the uh, the date I fully approve of your date time formatting. The only sane time is ISO eight six zero one. Thank you, folks. You've heard it here. Note to every government in the world. Anyway, uh, and you just uh, you just uh, replied there to my comment on that. So let's move on. Windows command line tips and tricks from only half the time. Excellent, um, excellent uh, show. Excellent handle as well. And as a these all these commands brought me back to my days as a Windows administrator in a large organization before they had um, they offered any tools for automation and stuff. 
had to use a lot of these uh, scripts. And I think a lot of people forget that, you know, the whatever you say about the Windows way of doing things on the command line, it is possible to do a lot of automation on the Windows command line. And even guys in work who assume I'm a Linux guy and then I automate stuff on the Windows side, you go, oh, what the hell? Didn't even know that was possible. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I know I did do a little bit of dabbling in this when I was uh, when I had Windows around. In fact, I can remember the time trying to set up access control lists on my home machine, mm-hmm. having discovered that they existed and typing the commands and it said, nah, sorry, don't know what that is. And then I realized that you had to have the pro version of XP to have to get yeah, those damn yeah, commands, yeah, yeah. which is, that was a really frustrating thing. Yeah, yeah. And it makes it very difficult because then you, um, you can't even, uh, if you have a site license for this and the machine comes with whatever, which is what we used, we used to have a, you know, a site license and then we buy it in the machine with the cheapest version of Windows because we didn't want to buy it twice. Um, then your scripts won't work because, you know, the version doesn't have that option built in. And that, I think, came back to bite, you know, Windows in, in the bum, really, because, uh, because you can't trust the scripting. So people don't bother learning it. So your administrators don't bother automating stuff. So. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, most of the stuff I did with Windows Admin later on was uh, poking stuff through the LDAP interface into um, Active Directory. Active Directory, yeah, 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 yeah. which you can do a lot with. I hadn't known that until it was pointed out to me. You can actually create accounts and all that sort of stuff through Active Directory, through LDAP. Even though it's not properly documented, we worked out how to do it. Yep. Shows yada yada yada. Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> okay, be easy. Uh, thanks, great show. Thanks for the uh, valuable information. Not a sysadmin, and is a full-time Linux user. Some, but sometimes has to work on a Windows PC. It's great to get some Windows command line basics uh, from a trusted source. As searching for such commands online leads to see, uh, CD websites. Keep up the great content. Absolutely, that's, couldn't agree. That's a good point, actually. Yeah, yeah. Getting access to good, reliable information is is really difficult sometimes in the, the Windows world, I think. Less so in the Linux world, I've found, anyway. Anyway, Frank commented on um, as well, saying, I add my thanks. So, uh, good, very good. I keep thinking of there's one site that every time you're looking for a Windows problem, it, it keeps coming up and... You can see the question, and it says the answer is is answered, and then you can't get into it because uh, DX Exchange or something like that, and the answer is hidden to you. You need to uh, pay for the support, and ah, oh, that site really, really annoys me. Um, oh yes, yes, so mu- yes. So much so, I think I, I put, ended up putting the site into uh, host file of uh, adding local host as the website so that I, I wouldn't accidentally go to it. Can't even remember yeah. what it is now. In in the equivalent of a setter hosts file, you, you mean putting in a exactly putting in a, a thing one two seven dot zero dot zero yeah just redirects that address to uh, to to the local host so you, so uh, you never never get there. <laughs> cool. Just one second, I'll try and find that uh, expert exchange. That's the second one. Yeah, it's. I'm, I'm oh, so it's glad. A horrible, horrible site. Expert exchange. I I had a I had did did a a little dance this this past week. If yeah, it's not a pleasant image to consider, but anyway, I did because yeah, yeah. I I blitzed the final XP off of that 
that Pentium 4 that I had hanging around in the corner. It's a great delight to, to think no more windows in this bloody house. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's odd, like, when I say, you know, and uh, people ask, you know, um, oh, yeah, what do you do, computers? Yeah, I've got, uh, what do you think of Windows 10? Sorry, I haven't worked uh, with a Windows computer in seven years. Oh, that's not true. I work with Windows servers, but I, I haven't used a Windows desktop operating system in seven years so i don't know good for you <laughs> yeah, yeah i'd love here. to help but now you know i i honestly with my hand in my heart to my family I, I don't know you know i'll help you with the i'll help you if you switch to linux but yeah i can try it but really i don't know yeah yeah i i quite concur with that and here again is uh is um ahuka spreading o l e evil among our crowd he wants us all to use object linking. Object linking, but what's E again? Can't remember. I can't remember either. <clears throat> no, we, I think is he not talking this one about how you can... Object uh, linking and embedding, that's the one. Yeah. That's the one. Is this not about how you can do it without OLE, though? No, no, he's talking... Well, let's go to his webpage. Well, okay. My notes must be bad, then, because I, I wrote down that it was how to do it without... Um, just using the built-in tools in Impress rather than ah, yes, 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 yes. OLEing in yeah, yeah. A, an, an existing thing. Yeah, probably better, given my spiel from before. Anyway, if people um, find these interesting or confusing in any way, you can always uh, nip to his website, which has got the full Monty along with images. Every everything that he discusses, I don't think it's word for word, but uh, he's inspired. You know, when he's, he's talking, he's inspired by the uh, text that he's written for the for the uh, show. I think he posts the blog first, or writes the blog first, and then records the show afterwards, which yeah, is the, actually a good way of doing it. Yep, images and examples are always fantastic. Yep. So, um, Windigo. Wasting shows again with his apt Splunking 2, TV Anytime Patch and Starfish. Although he didn't make a point, actually. I don't know if you're no show this, Dave, but I definitely heard him saying that he was going to give 75 years of shows uh, one after the other. <laughs> did, you, did you hear that at the beginning as well? I did hear something to that effect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's great. That's, so uh, for the next 75 years, yeah, well done. <laughs> and now my 75th show. <laughs> So looking forward to those, uh, Windigo. Anyways, TV time. I am actually looking for that very thing right now, if you would b believe it. Because I've got an analog tuner and I just want something simple to put up to a TV. Oh, cool. Yeah. I have um, i don't use TV at all now. So, so, uh, no, I want it's... to uh, take it in from a VCR and stuff just to be able to... to to connect the VCR via, you know, one of these dongles, uh, a US, uh, USB RJ or CA connector. So you can get a SCART, split, put in a SCART cable, split it out to your RCA left, right audio and video, like the Tulip connectors. And yep. then um, plugs it into USB and just something to play that in there. So I can quickly uh, have a look through actual physical cassette tapes uh, to see if 
they uh, you know can I archive them or if there if there's programs on there I've recorded years ago just to get rid of all the clutter in the house and if they want to keep them I'll record them then and put them on to the NAS so I have them for later that's actually quite a good idea I, I should be thinking about doing something like that I think we've got um, there are uh, tapes recorded on a on a video camera of that format, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, have not been archived. So yeah, yeah, yeah okay, something, good. Something definitely all should be doing is, uh, and I've got some DV tapes as well that need to come out. And the last time I was looking at it, I couldn't get it off uncompressed, uncompressed, uh, because I would need something like a terabyte of hard disk space. But now. You know, I can get a four terabyte drive for whatever, so I can get the raw footage off all those tapes as well. So that that'll be, that's on my list. You know, it's on my list. It's it's actually something like that. You know, you're putting it off and putting it off, but actually, once you have your setup done, it's something you can come in and do every night. You know, you you start it, you go do something else, you come back, you switch it, you do the next one, and eventually you have everything archived onto a disc and you're done. Yeah, yeah, I shall follow your lead with that. Sounds a good idea. Anyway, patch. I think you had a comment about patch, if I'm not mistaken. In this, I would call. I would pronounce it fatch because it's, you would, uh, because you are educated pH. and you can read stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I said some interesting packages. I was intrigued by fatch and installed it to try out. It's it's int- I use intriguing twice. That's very bad. Uh, it's a, it's intriguing though a bit counterintuitive for me anyway, since it seems to start by assembling a tool chain which I didn't expect. Then I had difficulty working out how to apply the chain to some images, but I shall I shall persevere. I also tried X Starfish and like what it produces. Thanks for pointing these out. So um, do you want to do the next and one? X Star- Starfish was it just created random images. It seems bizarre. I've not, uh, yes. I've not used it or looked at it, but yeah, I played with it and and it sat there for quite a long time, uh, thinking about it, and then it came up with a rather nice sort of uh, abstract pattern, which uh, which was good. Um, I quite like this sort of thing. I like. I have a. I still on XFCE have have random backgrounds changing on my two mm. monitors. I so since that- the uh, KDE episode. Uh, yeah, that's um, you know the article that was read out a few weeks ago. I've switched my uh, background uh, desktop to the uh, NASA picture of the day, something I've never done before. So there, there's again something you know, some you hear on HPR and you do it, and you know you don't go back and say, oh, sorry, oh, thank you for that. I'm using it every day, and it's really cool. But that's what this show is all about, at least for me. Ex-Starfish. Okay. And uh, Windigo replied back to you saying, it's definitely not terribly intuitive. (laughs) It's definitely not a terribly intuitive interface. I think it applies to all the actions you add in order to each of the images, but you have to be very explicit about assembling your chain. Maybe I'll go into more depth on how patch thatch works. Mm. Mm. Okay, cool. So... Um, uh, Shall I read out the next one? Because it was Please. me. <clears throat> and I said, uh, Fatch seems to have a lot of potential. I can see a use for it myself. I like to assemble several pictures for HBR episodes, and I want to do things like strip metadata to shrink the size and make thumbnails. I can see this might be possible, but knowing how is the barrier. I looked at the documentation, but it seems to be very short of actual instructions. So I know, um, I know Fatch uh, is all about 
do stuff to stuff. I've understand the do I've understood mm-hmm. the do stuff phase a little, but find the to stuff part cryptic. If you've mastered it yourself, a show about your experiences would be great. Oh, you see what you did there, guys. Oh, <laughs> you did it again, didn't you? Do I get a prize? Do I yes, get a prize? you do. You do. You do. You know, that's how you become admin here. You know, if you, the more often you get people to start doing shows, the more likely you are to be taking over my job. I know what you're at, Dave Morris. <laughs> well, I have had a good teacher. I'll have to say that. You're very welcome. Anyway, um, can you do the next one, please? Because I don't want to butcher these people's names. Hold on. So this one, uh, 1907, is Klaatu, who is interviewing Charlie Reisinger um, and from Penn Manor School District. So um, Klaatu's uh, talking to a guy who I think is he a teacher or an yeah, administrator? Yeah, I, think, I, I couldn't. Uh, I could don't remember. <clears throat> and uh, the Penn Manor School District are giving their students Linux laptops to take home. And they, the amazing thing is that they're not scared that they're going to mess them up because they're they're quite prepared. If 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 they sort of do something daft and uh, and and prang them, then they will just reimage them and and everything will be good again. I thought this was the, personally thought this was one of the most refreshing things I'd heard for a long time. That's in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Cool. Where it is. Uh, I loved this, and I I think it might actually be the same guy, um, but I've heard about this before where they were going, well, you know, how else are you going to get to the innards of your computer if, if somebody's going in and break stuff, and then you fix it and you break it, and you come back again, you you learn from your mistakes. If you, if everything's locked down, you know, what is it? It's, you can't do anything with it. It's so, so pretty cool. Pretty cool. Love this. The only thing about it was, of course, the latest uh, OECD report on shows that children who don't use uh, computers end up being better uh, academically at reading, writing and arithmetic. Very. That's interesting. Very interesting report, actually. Uh, But my own suspicions is that, you know, people aren't distracted. Learning is boring and if you have no distractions, you kind of learn. So there you go. Yeah, that that thing where you're you're sitting at a computer reading course material, but there's a you know a, a chat window in the corner and stuff, and yeah, all yeah. of that's or there's a YouTube thing running in in the corner or on another monitor. Then yeah, you're right. It's uh, it's not going to be not going to be good. Yep, and the following day at Droops. Uh, came in with a show. Um, hang on, hang on. Uh, whoa, whoa, there was whoa. a comment. There was a comment. 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 The comment yet. So there was a comment from John John Culp who yeah, said, "Excellent, excellent." Shall I do it? Since yeah, I started, and he said, "Love this interview and the project. Wish it had been a bit longer." It just, it's a good comment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. more anecdotes uh, from the from the cold face of Penn Manor would have been great. Yeah, excellent. And speaking of another teacher who's inspiring kids with free and open source software is um, Droops, our own Droops, uh, host number one here in HBR, who had put together a pumpkin and has got the Arduino uh, sketches and photos of the board and photos of the pumpkin. And thanks to Klaatu, he videoed it horizontally on his, uh, on his iPad, I think. 
and Tlatu was able to turn it around for me in KDN Live. And I look forward to Tlatu's episode on how he explains how he did that, because it's awesome. Very good, very good. I, sh- I should interject with just a slight, slight, slightly uh, um, unfortunate uh, consequence of putting videos in things that the Internet Archive strips them out, so you, yeah, you yeah. can't currently upload them. Just just to just so people are aware, that's all. Maybe I should also put a link uh, underneath to the YouTube link. Um, yeah, that, that should be there. That's yeah. We we haven't talked about this, though. but yeah, I think we, we should do that. We, and it's it's understandable that the archive.org strips them out, but. If we put a link into them underneath as well, can't see the video there. And the video tag does support that. So, but anyway, there you go. That's a really cool episode. I really wanted this. I really want to do something like this because you do, you could do the same with a styrofoam, uh, you know, a styrofoam um, grave thing. <laughs> yeah. Know, yeah. Head, headstone on the grave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. A hand coming out. Or yeah, that sort of thing. You know, it's, it's something something moves and you hit the hand. It would be awesome. So, yes, that's on my list, my ever-increasing list of stuff to do. Yes. So um, since I commented on this one, I, I had a had a thing about commenting this year for some reason, this, this month. Um, I just simply said, love this. Very cool project. And I'm in, in envy of your students. Yes, as am I. I don't tend to comment on shows because I save them up for here. And also I, I, lazy. <laughs> I don't always remember to to say the thing I wanted to say. So I take no, make notes and stuff, but even then I don't always remember. So if it's something I really like, I do try and put put comments on, but I don't always don't always manage. There you go. I only tend to put uh, comments on if it's something that I I as a professional non HBR person have done, which is why I commented on your show because I added it to my scripts and work. So don't feel sad if I don't comment on episodes, guys. The following day, we had John Culp's excellent talk on creating open embedded media music textbook. And every time, I know he's he's done several a series of shows on this in the past, but it's absolutely awesome what he's done. And again, the video didn't go in, so okay, good point. Yeah, it's it's, it's a bit sad. We 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 can we can work on fixing that, though I'm sure. But yeah, uh, yeah. we haven't had a chance to uh, to talk about the good strategy yet. But anyway, for uh, for anyone. I think this was a pres- presentation uh, John uh, did uh, to other educators, I think. And uh, he's got links in the show notes to uh, different places and all the resources that he mentioned and a video of the talk as well. Um, and the comments from Mike Ray, Calibra CLI. Good show, John. Um, used, musing to hear one or two questions at the end, really struggling with the concept of doing something for nothing, though she might call you a communist, smiley face. How about a show talking about how you use Calibra's command line to create tools? I'm curious about how to create EPUB books, either from plain text, markdown, or HTML, to which John replied in the voice of Dave Morris. John said, valuing musicians. Haha, true. She wasn't crazy about the free aspect. But to be fair, musicians face an ongoing struggle against people undervaluing their skills, whether it be someone balking at the outrageous price for private lessons or the scandalous fee, in, in quotes, to play at a wedding. 
people think music is all fun and games, but professional for professionals, it's hard work, a highly specialized skill developed over many years. I think her questions were coming from the perspective of someone fighting to make sure musicians' skills are properly valued. I get this. I'll definitely do a show about Calibra conversions, both of the GUI and the CLI. Thanks for the comments. And Be Easy commented, great episode. Thanks for sharing this presentation. I enjoyed the entire thing and will use some of your ideas for my own projects. I especially enjoyed your explanations of Creative Commons and free software in a way that was clear and accurate, but not too preachy. These comments, uh, sorry, these concepts are so foreign to some people that it is entertaining to hear the reaction when they're not exposed to free culture. Thanks again. Looking forward to your next show. And finally, Frank commented it's been a long time since i've i have to buy one i've had to buy one i fully share your sentiments about the college textbook industry the publishers block the paths of learning raise their flintlocks at students and cry stand and deliver amen so, frank amen so true so true <clears throat> and you know what yeah. you know what particularly i find annoying uh and i didn't even know it existed until um my wife wants to research, uh, does quite a lot of research. She's uh, anyway, she's qualified in the area, but uh, wants to do a lot of research in, on issues with our children. And then you go to a website, somebody's written a book about it. You go to a website and you're not allowed to buy the book unless you have, uh, you know, a doctorate or degree in this speciality that you're dealing with. Uh, and uh, why is that? Why? How do they know? How, what, what's what's the criterion? You need, to, you need to be a member of the blah, 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 the uh, the society for the ah, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you can and only the, get in with those credentials. Yeah, and they, they have to fax a uh, approval to the uh, book publisher uh, in advance, and then, then you can get in to get the books. I mean, what about citizen scientists? Uh, half uh. of the, you know... Uh, it's just so irritating to to think, okay, yes, you don't want somebody pretending to be a doctor or something, but why stop people from learning and then going to somebody and going, hey, you know, I found this out. Maybe, I mean, if that, if that was the case, Einstein, when he did his first three theses, he wasn't even qualified as anything. He was he was just working in a, in a patent office at the time. Oh. <sighs> I'd never heard of that before. I, I mean, the the paywall journals and stuff have always been a been a big issue, though it's it's gradually gradually easing. But that one is a new one on me. That's yeah. appalling. Maybe it's just here, but ah. Oh. And we only noticed when she became, you know, she was qualified through whatever, and then she went to f to find the books, and it turns out her qualification she has a masters in uh, in communications anyway. So her because she had the masters, she was allowed to get these books. Yeah, you know, just oh, really, really weird. That's right. Hey. Hey. Yes. Breathe in. The um, breathe out. The comment that um, the Mike Ray was uh, the, the the response that Mike Ray was commenting on. I I I heard it as the the um, the person in the audience saying, um, "How is it that if you let them have these things for free?" They will be prepared for the real world, uh, where very little is free. Um, which, you know, I don't agree with it. With but it was it seemed to me slightly different 
um, way of, of, of looking at it. Um, you know, it's a different question than, than I've heard anybody pose before. Did, did you get that? Or was it just me? No, I couldn't even, I don't think I even heard it properly, to be honest. But yes, when you say it like that, it is a good question. But I think it's only free because uh, you only have to pay for it because somebody decided you have to pay for it. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Now, what John has done here is absolutely astonishing. It really is. With my, there's my daughter um, struggling through a degree just now with all of the, the impediments that are being put in the way by a university that just does not take the, the same attitude that, that John and I, who imagine many of his colleagues take, you know, and, and, you know, what John is doing is what all universities should, should be doing at some level. Absolutely. I, I recently have been, um, mentoring my builder on uh, he is a very very wise chap um and he wants to get into it and has asked me to teach him quote about computers unquote which cool. is a, which is a very daunting topic once you start about it because i only want to know about ports and how computers work and oh god where do i start so there is a, a chap in um in the in uh sorry i can't remember where in the east um in asia who has put all his lectures on uh the internet along with videos up on youtube all the notes everything and it has been fantastic resource for me to uh you know to get my thoughts clear and to do uh you know to explain and then you have a diagram from this gentleman who uses all uh free and open source tools as well so the putting stuff online how how can it be how can it be a bad thing i don't know i don't get absolutely it. not no and that's what that's what hpr is all about in 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 its own way i think isn't it yeah preaching to the converted i suppose yes well yeah but that's that's why i'm that's why i'm here that's why i like hpr so much because of that uh, that ethos frank bell who i would not have put his i don't know if this is a picture of frank bell in his avatar but i would not have put him uh, you know you have a different image in your mind of somebody but um he released a show on QMMP, the QT-based multimedia player. And the very first time I moved to Linux, this was a deal breaker for me, this one. Uh, I since got over it, but um, not having um, not having Winamp was a big deal breaker. I even had running in Wine for a while. Did, did, was, was there no XMMS in those days? Anyway? It, it, it never really worked for me. All oh, right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I went through a similar journey, uh, Winamp, and then then I seem to remember going to XMMS at some stage, though I can't remember on what, but certainly on some some Unixy Linuxy system. But uh, then I got bored with it, and uh, better things came along. I actually uh, use Mplayer from the command line for everything. <laughs> Just in a in a. What are you laughing? In a yakwek, yakwek, you know, you press F12 yeah, and yeah. the terminal yeah, comes yeah. down. I just stand. Yeah, I just use player because you can do the speed up, maintaining the tempo, slow down, pause. It's just keyboard actions, and I use that everywhere. It's awesome. I used to use MPC and MPD quite a lot, and there's yeah. quite a lot of different clients that will do MPCs. 
uh, you know, there's a lot of MPD clients, which are GUI clients, but there's also the MPC and the uh, NCurses versions and that sort of stuff. But I, I, I went to Amarok, and then when they messed yeah, up, messed thanks, up, yeah. thanks KDE, thanks. Yeah, a lot. there you go. And again. then, then I'm using Clementine at the moment. I went back to it at the time. I had my brother uh, converted to Linux just for uh, just for Amarok at the time. It was he. He just blew his mind that you could all the metadata, all the Wikipedia articles, everything were was there, and they it just completely ruined that application. I, I yeah yeah, and I, I still to this day do not know why they did that. Okay, the cord was hard to maintain, but uh, still, yeah, it's it was it was an era. It was maybe the start or some point in that era where people are looking at UIs and saying, Oh no, no, that's not the way to do a UI. Let's just rip everything out and turn it into something that's, that's one color and you can't see the, the buttons from the, from the background and you know, all those sorts of nonsense things, you know, there's a lot of that was going on. <laughs> and it's still going on today for some it reason. Is. Somebody has sent out a memo going, Oh, get rid of menus. What? Why would you take menus away? And let's put a, a ham, let's put a, just a setting thing, a setting icon. But so it's a three letter setting, a three line setting icon on some things. On some it's a handle, on some it's a three dots, on some it's what you have no clue what the icon is for getting the menu back. Do not take the menus out of an application, folks, ever. Thank you. <laughs> agreed, agreed, yes. <laughs> Anyway, this could this could last why a long time. This, no, seriously, this why trip. would you do that? Why would you take menus out of applications? I have uh, no I idea. Know. Sorry, Dave. Sorry, sorry. No, no. Okay. Well, sorry, Frank, because we're, we're, we're wandering Frank, away we're from, digressing. from yes. his... Frank his, had uh, loads and loads of comments. First was from Matt. He didn't even know the project was uh, existed. Great episode. Long-time fan of uh, Winamp. Also liked QT-based applications that are cross-platform. Thanks. Yeah, and Frank came back with the the response. Thanks, he said. Glad you enjoyed it. Um, there's one thing I forgot, even though it was in my notes. QMMP can be a little strange about playing URLs that have funky characters, such as parentheses in them. Some of the old-time radio sites, most of which are hobbyist sites, have some very unusual URLs for the the individual OTR episodes, mostly because the maintainers try to squeeze too much information into them. I sometimes end up falling back to XMMS, which still comes bundled in Slackware. Praise Bob for those. (laughs) Audiobook lover commented, I discovered this site randomly. Didn't know where I was clicking and kept clicking lulls, but I am glad I did. Thanks for the great review. Obviously had heard of Winamp, but never QMMP. Trying it out right now. And that one goes top of my list for potential spam dave <laughs> well <laughs> if, me too <laughs> yeah i know you were you were saying is this spam or not but guys if you ever want to put something in and get us really interested in your comment put randomly words like randomly clicking and lots of lulls in it but i think the last line either redeemed him or her or made it a um made it so that their their program for putting in spam is very good yeah well the just to digress the 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 way that the spam bots the comment spam bots are are developing they're again very clever they're really trying to write text that looks like somebody really commenting you have to read them quite carefully before you spot them in in some cases so you know it's 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 an ongoing fight (laughs) 
Well, this one I think was so well done that, uh, yeah. But if something comes up very similar to this on the site, this comment will be removed. But anyway, uh, audiobook lover, uh, record a show, please. If you are a spam bot, uh, do also record a show. I'd love to hear it. And then, then I commented on this one saying nostalgia. I used Winamp back when I couldn't avoid using Windows at work, and XMMP was my player of choice on Linux for a number of years. I tried QMMP, and it reminded me very much of those days. I'm not sure I'm going to use it, given that I'm quite happy with Clementine, but it was nice to feel a bit of nostalgia. Thanks. And Frank replies, nice to feel a bit of nostalgia. You make me feel old, will you? <laughs> make me feel old, will you? Well, I am old. Uh, but I will never be a senior. I'll be a cranky old man. You young whippersnappers with your newfangled media players. Yes, Frank, I'm with you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I really touched a nerve there. Sorry, Frank. <laughs> yeah, in my head, I'm still 27, just for everybody. My body can do what it likes, but I'm staying 27. Aren't we all? Yeah, sure. I thought, my thoughts, uh, sorry, the following day in 1911, thoughts on uh, GUI versus command line. And what prompted me, to do this is I'm listening to I've listened to a lot of podcasts over the years and the never ending discussion comes up of what the best distro is or whether you should you know, you shouldn't teach command line to anybody everything's possible via the GUI and just like my rant there a few minutes ago about the menus moving around GUIs change all the time they change between releases even it's impossible to up there is not the not we do not have the amount of people necessary in the community to update the documentation to reflect the amount of changes that happens on GUIs so anyway that's 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 the summary of my episode there you go well yeah yeah you're quite right of course I I I thought of this as i was listening that uh, it's uh it is has been the source of much annoyance that, that those those changes for no apparent reason sometimes they were changes like the development of amarok up to the point where they destroyed it was yeah. was fantastic they were adding really clever things and yeah, yeah wow yeah. what's coming next it's going to be really good and uh you know, but a lot of the time it's just change for change's sake you think yeah and again is linux ready for the desktop yes it is I've been using it for seven years. Let's Can we move on with this discussion? And if you don't believe me, use Android. If you don't believe that, use Chrome. The only impediment for people not using the desktop is you and the applications that you happen to be using at that time. Yes, there are going to be applications that you need to pay bread and butter applications because you're forced to by your work. Well, fine, but... It's not that Linux isn't ready for the desktop. It's the applications you're using are not ready for Linux. Yeah? Yeah, yeah oh, true God. enough. I'm going to have to end this, uh, this whole show, Dave, because I'm going on too much of a rant here. Sorry about this. <laughs> anyway, no one both, agrees with me because nobody's commented, so fine. Anyway, that's what I think. The Open NMS at the All Things Open Conference. Uh, Hold on. Hold on. What? I think you've you've just crossed the streams. You've just walked into December. So <gasps> we shall never do this. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Your enthusiasm carried you. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry, I went on a, and that actually that was the, the I think that's the first ranty episode I've I've done, and I don't know if people. Uh, I don't think we have had that many. Uh, you know, uh, ranty episodes and stuff, or not ranty episodes, opinion pieces, uh, on HBR. Don't particularly know why not because the, when when um, uh, they they come up with on 
RFM Radio Freak America, when the idea was originally floated about HPR, the idea was that people would have, you know, rousing discussions about their opinions and things. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, you know, Maybe it'll throw people away. All the people who love GUIs are now deleting HPR from their um, <laughs> from their media player. And if you disagree with me, please, please, please record shows and tell me how wrong I am. And feel free to break up the wrongness over several episodes so that you can tell me how wrong you are on multiple days. That would be ideal. Very good. Very good. I'm impressed. Okay, shall we move back, Dave? <laughs> We um, we need to look at the at the comments that that there've been a fair number of comments that we yeah. need to to cover that haven't been covered or a few anyway. Um, where there were there was a comment on Mike Ray's show uh, Raspberry Pi accessibility breakthrough. Yeah, from um, hold on a minute, Stephen. I think there was a an ongoing discussion with with Mike about. Uh, um, oh, he'd asked a question. He'd asked a question, hadn't he? Yeah, yeah. Of of uh, Mike, and uh, this was Mike's reply, um, which, it, without reading the whole thing, it's not going to make a huge lot of sense. So we'll mm -hmm. just just point to it and uh, and leave the, the listeners to to read to to read it themselves, perhaps. Okay, yeah. And then there was also a comment to multimedia. Me, excuse me, multimeter mods part one, and this was uh, the and then my. Oh, sorry. How much of that? Sorry, I took my finger off. This was yeah. an M by a bill episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, dear. And the Android Geek had a question as well, and N my bill um, replied back to that. So, again, we'll point you to the, if you're following that discussions, we'll point you to the comments in the show notes. It's pretty pretty technical, and you'd need the, the context, I think, really, to, to get much out of it. Um, just to say, I liked NY Bill's uh, multimeter suggestion so much I went and bought one off eBay and I'm really impressed with it. It's lovely. I haven't learned how to use it properly yet, but I'm working on it. How much were they? Uh, I got it for about £28 or something like that off oh, eBay. It's not bad. From, not bad. from China, yeah. And don't, so, think, uh, don't think as well that you can't get um, good uh, – sorry, multimeters – you can have more than one multimeter on a project. In fact, the more the better because uh, it allows you to measure volts and amps at the same time. So having a few multimeters is never a bad thing. No, I, uh, I've I've got one. My son's got one, and he's and he comes comes by sometimes. So uh, yeah, we're we're well covered on the multimeter front. My uh, daughter just got one of those uh, for uh, Sinterklaas, which is uh, a gift giving season. It was today tonight actually but we he arrived yesterday and they got a, my daughters and son got a um science kit three science kits a little robot a little chemistry set and then a thing where you can make circuits and there's a buzzer and microphone and stuff and she loves it and oh, uh, but there was wow. a lo loose connection so i was i took out the multimeter and showed her <laughs> how to use it and i was like after the LED, it was 3.1 volts before the LED, and it was 1.5 after the LED. And I was like, what's happening here? And then explanation of that. Why is it minus and why is it plus? Okay, because the leads are going the other way. Oh, cool. Oh, and another thing I did, speaking of tips for kids, um, I, you know, the Raspberry Pi is, uh, I was telling you I have a Raspberry Pi connected up to the TV, and I had, um, uh, what do you call that? Not Xbox, uh, Cody uh, on it. 
and uh, then I the kids wanted to play Minecraft, so I put standard Raspberry Pi uh, Raspbian on it. And sometimes they want to watch movies from the NAS. So now in order to get to the NAS, they need to do change directory and LS and like X OXM player. I was thinking of putting like a player, GUI player there, but they're actually learning so much about the Linux command line that, okay, let's, let's leave it there. They seem to be learning the command line. Okay. Sounds a great way to learn it. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, but to them it's as it's as it's as easy to get the keyboard and type change directory and ls and play this. And go, okay, fair enough. <laughs> it yeah, seems to work absolutely. Yeah, anyway, indeed. Comments back to the comments. Um, Hi. did we go on? Sorry, did we comment on the Migo T zero two part one in last month's show or not? Uh, where are you now? Um, oh, I'm, I'm coffee coffee maker. Yes. Yeah, the uh, coffee making basics. I don't think we brought we brought that one up last time. This is the trouble when the comments go, you know, off the end of the month. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. hard to remember what what it was you you did. You know, no, I, I can't think, think of the problem lies with us, Steve. <laughs> well, the problem is that you you just open the episode up and say, "Oh, look, there's these comments," and you don't stop when it gets to the uh, the ones that are outside the month. But why would you anyway? You know, yeah, so exactly. There's there's uh, there's something wrong with the way we're doing this. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, may, maybe we shouldn't even be bothering to go back and look at you know com- older comments because you know they're here in the notes. So if you really want to find them, they're there. You can see the episode they belong to. You can see the actual comment header. You just click on it and a, and a window opens for you. I mean, it's, okay, it's, it's enough, debatable. Yeah. Maybe, well, maybe we, people we will could, we could because see what people say. No, you'd be able. We can know really easy if we go back to the community news of last month. And if the comments there, then we talked about it. Talk. If yes, if they yes, you're right. You're right. Yeah, because the community news for last month was still in October, wasn't it? So none of the November ones were uh, had actually been been uh, sent in at that point. Am I right? Yeah. So there was. Uh, Let's see, we had comments up until, oh yeah, well, this this is actually going to be awkward because then you'd need to know which comments. The last comment was comment two on 1890, 1890. So there were comments on 18, 1889 up to comment four. Oh, guys, can you please <laughs> just go to the comments page and read the comments? We'll try and sort this out for next month. How, <laughs> how about that? Uh, I think I think we've yes, Dave, been why, seeded our why do, we, why do we do this to ourselves? <laughs> I thought I was being so clever doing this thing with the comments that you sh- you should see the SQL query that does it. It it just blows my mind. I try and uh, debug it. So yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Sometimes you can be too clever, I suspect. So yeah, maybe okay. we should just keep a text file of the comments that we've covered, and then okay. Anyways, a, yeah, anyways, just yeah. mark them with a pencil, and uh, yeah, I know post it. Post it's on the wall. <laughs> yes, <I think>. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. November uh, from the HBR archive mailing list, which now works again, um, which is actually cool. So we have um, the new podcast uh, I announced, which is the. Um, International Open Magazine podcast, which I've started listening to. It's quite good. And information about the show. Uh, Dan Washko uh, spoke about that. Indeed, yes. And he's he's put it on his list as well, hasn't he? Yeah, very good. Uh, Dave, do you want to talk about the UK table kit just quickly? 
or not. Just, just, uh, I'm just trying to catch up. Hold on. Uh, Sh- shall I do it? Okay. Um, Dave yeah. uh, has spoken like there's a, a table case, but the tablecloth contains various logos and the wear basically it's suffering from wear and tear right now. And the question is what to do with it. Just wash it and iron it or take some photos of us and gimp out the coffee stains or get a new tablecloth, uh, gimp the pictures on, uh, some sort of a PVC uh, material replacement for it or uh, keep the original cloth as an archive. Yep. And that that was um, uh, Tim Timmy or Marshall's um, suggestion when we were at Og Camp that uh, he he has a, a route whereby these uh, these these things can be done for for uh, vanishing me small amounts of money, which is pretty pretty good of him. Um, so yeah, so I was putting this to everybody as a as a suggested way forward. Um, yeah, whatever you whatever you want to do, it is uh, it's fine. I won't, might be no harm to take high resolution images of the signatures on it anyway um, because I'd like to have those on the website just so we know people who are physically there and this is a physical thing that happens and it's a way of joining uh, the one from the US and the one from here and if somebody wants to start one in Asia please feel free to do that or one in Africa or wherever Um, so yeah uh, that we can keep the kits together but I think that kit is is pretty much in in the UK if whatever you want to do with it uh, feel free to do it yeah Marshall has it sorry I'm fighting the cat off he wants to walk all over my keyboard Um, Marshall has got it at the moment so uh, he's uh, I think he's 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 up for for dealing with it when when we've decided what what we want to, to, to do so I'll just let him know. He might be listening to this, hopefully. Um, so, okay. So we'll we'll just carry on from there then. Okay. Um, the Zoom H1, Lord Drachenblut, uh, looks like he's going to scale again. And this time as a Fedora ambassador, wanted to see if anyone was going to be using the Zoom H1 between now and then. And if not, could they send it to him? Um, I don't know if that got sorted outside of the um, list or not. Um, so yes, due to an error on my part, the reservation process didn't go very well. Um, so people have been reserving shows. It clearly states on the site, if you want to, uh, book a slot, upload the slot or reserve a show, you could go to the page. And that was written prior to the point where we decided that, uh, for show reservations, this was decided on the HBR list, uh, for so show reservations that will be. Uh, ran by the mailing list that we're discussing on now um, with the intention that uh, the community basically decides, you know, who gets um, to reserve a show. And the reason for that is, you know, basically the li- on the calendar, anybody can put any show where they want. So if you want to reserve a show next year, you can do that. You record your show and, and basically put it up there. But if you want to reserve it because you're doing an interview and it won't be available until that time and you want to be able to tell the participants at that event when it's going to be up then you can reserve a show by asking on the mailing list and we get permission and then i can book it on the database and then we'll do the show matching once it's once it's ready and the the unfortunate thing was there was a few shows it turned out that there was actually four shows in the queue at that particular point in time uh during that week so what uh, I did was then um, uh, made the following changes. Uh, 
And this is a policy decision now. So if you uh, disagree with this, please get on the mailing list and uh, uh, disagree, uh, please, so that the discussion continue. This is just Im- what I'm doing here is just implementation of policy as opposed to deciding policy. Policy is decided by the HBR list. Hall reservations need to be improved in the case where you wish to reserve a particular slot but do not have the media recorded. You will need to get the reservation improved in advance by the HBR milling list. The following re- are standing reservations. Anniversary episodes, the community news on the first Monday of the month, this show, the final day of the fourth month and days following the new year. That was changes in stuff you need to know.php. Stuff uh, changes in requesting a slot.php has been the following has been added. You should have your audio recording ready to be uploaded before you request a slot. In the case where you wish to reserve a particular slot but do not have the media recorded, you need to get a reservation in advance by sending an email to the HPR list. Be sure to allow as much as time as possible and include a reason why you feel it necessary to reserve the slot. The following has been changed from you can post your so or reserve a slot by going to the calendar page has been changed to you can post your show by going to the calendar page. The following has been added. The upload form works on the assumption you will be posting one show at a time from the same IP address. Once you have pressed submit, you will not be able to edit any of the information. The following changes have been made to contribute.php changed from You can now post your show or reserve a slot by going to the calendar page has been changed too. You can, once you have your audio ready, you can post your show by going to the calendar page. The calendar page has now added, you must have your audio recorded ready to upload before you pick a slot. The upload form has changed from number three, upload later, uh, blah, 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 what it was, I won't go into it has been chained to upload via FTP or call in the show. Leave uploads option one and two empty if you want to call in the show uh, via the call in line. Remember to leave your episode number. Use the traditional FTP client. Please email admin at Hacker Public Radio when you're finished recording so that you can recording can be processed. Following has been added. Number four, reserve a slot. Leave upload option one and two empty if you have received prior approval from the mailing list from the community via the HPR mailing list to reserve a show now and upload media later or send in physical media by postal service or delivery in person. Make sure you have enough time to deliver your media. Those are the changes that have been applied to the site. Okay. Sorry about that. It's a lot. It's good though. It's good. Well, it's a clarification. And again, if that's my interpretation of the policy, um, as it was, if somebody disagrees with any of the policies, please uh, make note of that on the list and they can be discussed and changed. It's not for the first time that things have been changed. So although I would be (laughs) rather annoyed after making all those edits. Um, first audio updates. This was from uh, Clinton Roy at Gmail, who uh, uploaded a show on how to run a conference. I'm not, uh, not sure if he was expecting any feedback, audio quality, and basically wanted to know if um, uh, flagging the show, not knowing when it's not flagging a show that he doesn't care when it gets published. And Klaatu responded, um, 
thanks for doing this. It's easier for everyone involved. If you arbitrarily decide when your show goes on air, it's not strictly speaking necessary. You could just email the show to us or email a link to it and let us decide. But then it's us making an arbitrary decision. Either way, it's an arbitrary and someone has to punch in the date. So it scales better if the person submitting the show does that. I don't know if you know about the calendar he had. It's nice and easy. And then the next uh next on that uh was from myself and um in relation to that is the only thing that we do we don't edit shows at all we only listen to see if they're if it's not spam and it's not audible we do not listen to shows before they're going out because it would be uh who are we to judge whether it's your show and then I gave him some information on on the main feed and uh, the community news and feedback and stuff and then we had uh, uh, Charles and NJ commenting about the audio feedback is for your own benefit. Uh, if you want pointers and stuff, you can go to the list. Um, or if you have questions about audio editing gear, there's definitely people who will be able to help. And if you definitely have hosts who could record shows to address the unanswered questions or take another slot at a shot of topics from the back catalogue. Um, the next one is Kevin O'Brien says he's taking a short break, uh, which Wendy Go replied, it's understandable. A lot of people basically commented on that one. Um, 5150 uh, had a discussion about uh, Sansa Clip. Um, I think you commented on this one as well, Dave. I did, I did. Do you want me to, to cover this one briefly? Yeah, Just please. Give you a rest. Um, yeah, uh, 5150 is uh, saying that after disconnecting his Sansa clip, it would hang with a message refreshing media. I've had um, that as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he was, he thought he'd come across, or he had come across somebody who suggested it might be something to do with metadata being being too long. Um, the uh, The, so he was wondering whether HPR was generating such stuff. I think that that was his his point that we because there was a point at which it was suggested that the full show notes should go into the into the metadata. I uh, I don't think that ever. No, uh, no, that, that's too that, much. That, I think so too. Yeah, I mean it's probably physically possible because some of these formats do allow a hell of a lot of data, but it would be be incredibly hard to read and and stuff. So I don't think it would be a good idea. So, but he he maybe thought it was something to do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, no, all we put into the show notes now is the summary. So um, the text-to-speech voice thing that you hear at the beginning, the 100 characters, so I doubt very much it's anything to do with HPR. No, and you you replied to that saying that uh, you solved the problem by using Rockbox. The, the, Actually, the... I hate people who do that, you know. <laughs> I have this problem with this application. And then, oh, yeah, well, your problem is solved if you use Y application. Oh, use a sorry, one, yes. I couldn't help. <laughs> no, no. Well, I did pretty much the same a bit later. But uh, the because um, the refreshing media message is the Sansa message. Uh, it's from the Sansa software. So uh, so that implied that uh, 5150 was using that at that point. So, um, so yeah, you, you enlarged on what was actually in the metadata and, uh, and so on and so forth by giving an example. So, um, so yeah, that was... I won't read that out, but... Uh, 
It's there that, if you want to. There'll be that, links in the show notes. That covered it nicely, I hope. Um, so, so, so I ch- yeah, go on. I, so I was just going to say, I just threw in my hat into the ring, which because I got several sensors, I sometimes get this refreshing media thing, even on Rockbox machines. Um, oh yeah, one one of them does that. Yeah, it goes into sensor mode when you plug it into things and comes up with the refreshing media, and oh, it dear. takes a long long time. But I I think it is just the way that software works. It just does take a long time doing what it does. Um, so I think it is likely to be the metadata storage thing because have you ever seen in Rockbox that it will say things if you've got it set so it saves the the metadata in the database then yeah, yeah. there's times when it says I'm synchronizing and it take, can take a fair time several seconds per per um, MP3 per audio file so yeah. anyway I I witted on about that stuff and tags and stuff but uh, it's not really very interesting so I won't read it out. And the following one was, which I'm going to skip over because it was uh, from Mike Dupont, well, not because it was Mike Dupont, but it was a 412 precondition field. And for the life of me, I thought that this was uh, addressed to admin at hackerpublicradio.org and not the mailing list. So, guys, everybody, if there's a, not, not pointing on Mike here or anything, but... Uh, what I normally do when I, when something like this comes through on the mailing list, I'll take it off and put it over to the admin list because, uh, for a start, I don't like um, exposing how the site works um, on a public mailing list. Uh, uh, it actually happened that I replied back to this um, with the FTP username and password. And that is now on the public mailing list, so I've had to change the FTP username and password. So... Uh, sorry for not spotting that this was going to the list, um, but it does give you an idea of what um, we do here behind the scenes. We get stuff like this regularly from time to time where we work through issues with people. So that was it. Um, question about show notes from Frank Bell. Um, and he uh, was on about... Oh yeah, sorry. Frank had put in the uh, the show notes uh, and we had turned them into embedded images. And what was the best way forward on that? And um, to be honest, um, I don't think we haven't really come to... Dave and I are are working on this, and I'm just looking at some archived emails that Enigma had from, you know, over over seven or eight years ago. And we're still working on the automation process on what's the best way to do that, embedded images. So basically, I don't know, Dave, what do you think? It's... it's, um... It's a difficult thing, right? Because you can say, and we have said, well, Markdown's Markdown's good, but yeah. when you think, when you actually look at it, it's a it's fine up to a point. But knowing all the intricacies of it, there's it a fair amount of work involved in that. It, it is a markup language, one of the simplest markup languages there is. I mean, look at LaTeX and Tech and stuff like that. But but it it's certainly got a lot of foibles and weirdnesses in it. So I think Frank was saying, don't really want to learn that if if at all possible, which is a pretty fair comment, I thought. Um, my thought, and we need to enlarge on this, but just off the just just something I've been kicking around is when I was back in the days when email didn't have mime and all that stuff, I got mm-hmm. into the habit of, you know, you had to write text mail. And I used to lay my stuff out in a way 
fairly similar to the way Markdown ended up, presumably for the same sort of reasons, except that if there was a URL, I'd just put it in as a plain URL. There wouldn't be little brackets and stuff around it. Yeah. But yeah. What, what I would suggest, what I will suggest at some stage, and maybe we should come up with our own suggested format, is to say, well, use plain text. If you want there to be a header, then do this thing to make it look, make it obviously a header if you want it to be a bulleted list make it do this thing like put a hyphen on the front of each line oh because now we're inventing our own markup language well you are but if it's simple uh, if if it's simple why isn't somebody else already invented it because it doesn't do enough because what we would then have to do would be to put something else in there to to post process it into something more complex which i've sort of half written a thing to to do yeah but look so, dave you're going to we're now putting a barrier in 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 people's place i putting in a barrier to people right so my point of view is i'm very firm on this if people submit show notes grand whatever format they are if you're writing show notes the best thing to do is just write it like the text in an email avoid formatting altogether just put in urls with links and put in URLs with pictures to images. Don't put in spaces. Don't put in numbered lists. Just put write it like you were doing an email. Yeah, and that keeps it simple. If you but want, wouldn't to- you? If if you were writing a plain text email to somebody mm-hmm. and you just wanted to say, "Look, I need you to buy three things at the shop. Number one is this. Number two is that. Number three is that." Would you not put them out as a, a line by line thing with a number on the front? Yeah, well, if you do that, or with a hyphen on the front, yeah, and that's that's where we start getting problems on our side because that borks everything up for us because then we have to put in line items in front of those, convert them to a ordered list, get rid of the one, two, and three that somebody's put down, and replace them with what's going to turn into fine HTML. So, if if you want to put in formatting into your show notes, what I would suggest is learn a little bit of HTML. It's really, okay, yes, you've already told me that I need to do a show on basic HTML. I will do that. Fine. I owe you a show. Right, there, I've said it. And that way, people have learned the thing that is useful for something else. Whereas if we come up with our own format, it's only useful for HBR. And you know, people who've already been submitting shows for the last 10 years, why would they even bother you know, looking at this new template that we've come up with. Well, my my <sighs> view was, yes, I, I see where you're coming from, but my view was that people are sort of 90% uh, by just, just by default, if they write textual stuff, get, get very, very close, maybe 90% the way towards what I would suggest be a, be a sort of semi-standard format. Um, so why not just, just, write it down and say well if you do it like this then it's easy peasy if not then we have to we have to go and interpret it to to work out what it is but if you do that then that's easy and it's not marked down it's not restructured text and it's not you know latex or any other such thing and it's not html because a lot of people are scared stiff by html okay fine but dave you know yourself um, how long have we had the template file remember the template file with the show (laughs) notes at the top and we would change it from time to time. And many people would even read the template file, Dave. Yeah? So your your expectations are set too by, high. By instructions that everybody would ignore, you think? <laughs> yeah, it's not that they ignore it. They don't even know they no, exist. No, no, Some, no, no, no. A lot of people listening to this have never actually been to the HPR website. 
they email in a show. They listen to the, you know, they got the feed from somebody. They email a show. They don't even know the website exists. And why should they? We we are, we are peers in the community. We decide that the format should be this and everybody else goes, no, no, I don't think so. I want my show notes to be a garbled mess of text. Please put it up that way. Okay, fine. That's what we'll do. Yeah, yeah. Just put pre-tags around it and chuck it in. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I have done that in the past, Dave, as you well know. Oh, I, I do know that. Yeah, yeah. And I'd probably be tempted to do that myself as, on occasion. As you know yourself from the experience, because you've been looking at this for the last few months now, and I've been doing it for a few more years, well, four more, five years now. And the thing is, it's it's the simple emails are fine. The validated HTML is also fine. Although even there, you sometimes need to go in and take out the links so that click here turns into the actual URL. But that's fine. So regardless of what people send in, we'll probably always have to do something, unfortunately. Unless we do, as I say in the next link, which is put a WYSIWYG editor up. Well, okay, that's that's certainly a, that's certainly a solution, um, which... Is probably potentially better than the other one I suggested, but uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, but then, leave... but then to argue the other point, yes, but I don't use the website. I want to use my Perl script that I spent 40 days working on, and I want to be able to submit my show notes that way. Thank you very much. <laughs> Who would do that? <laughs> um, Dave, Mike, I'm sure everybody has deleted this show by now, but anyway, we will we will continue to persevere. Uh, Mike Ray uh, points out again the dangers of for non-sighted folks of putting in screenshots. Um, that if they're just screenshots, that's fine. But uh, if you put in embedded text, then you shouldn't do that because it's impossible to read. I completely agree with him. And we won't do that. I know we shouldn't do this going from the November uh, stuff on the mailing list to December, but I think we should in this case, Dave, because of the discussion the discussion uh, hold on one sec where is December uh, because there was a continued discussion on the JavaScript thing from Frank Bell uh, yeah and he was basically talking about uh, alt support in HTML uh, he thinks displaying text of terminals is a poor means of uh, giving data at the best of times which I completely agree with him And then Lord D completely agrees. Uh, they can't be easy. Uh, if you do screenshots of a terminal, it can't be easily copied in. We did have one thing about the, there was a discussion from um, 5150 and I started a new thread because I realized that, that you would get very annoyed um, if people didn't start a new thread. So um, it was from 5150 and he saw that there was a standing reservation for the days following the new year. And um, yeah, basically, should we have, he's asking, um, uh, the consensus was that we weren't going to host a new year show this year. Uh, there hasn't been any buzz around the mailing list. Uh, I think uh, we've learned that the full 24 hours is too ambitious uh, unless it falls on a holiday weekend. Uh, if we're doing a show covering Europe and continental US is probably okay. Uh, if we are doing a New Year show, then are we doing it or not? Um, 
And I say I didn't explicitly make a booking for next year to explain why the two slots are done. The uh, community news is automatically scheduled and Plateau just uh, booked his shows every two weeks. And I don't think he even looked at the uh, at the dates. From a HPR point of view, the New Year show actually doesn't seem to... It has a negative impact on contributions. Uh, we see fewer participants translating into regular hosts than we would normally. Uh, from a personal point of view, when I do the shows, I've noticed that stuff that I've covered in the New Year show, um, when I bring them up to people, they um, they have not noticed that it has been covered. Whereas if I did it in a standalone show, they uh, they would have heard the show, and but it kind of gets lost in the noise. Uh, my standing uh, my standing view personally is that um, it is a great way the New Year show to catch up with old friends who haven't heard from in a while. From my own personal point of view, I have a lot of commitments around that time, so um, I'm not really that available to do stuff. And right now, it's kind of late to get other podcasters involved in that. So... Um, then we have whoops, 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 and then we had Honky Magoo who says, uh, "For one, would certainly miss if the New Year show went away." Dave, are you still there? I'm still here. Sorry, yeah, I was just just looking through the. I bored you just... to death. <laughs> no, no, I'm just trying to keep up with you because I've got too many windows with mail in here. Sorry. <laughs> okay, I'll continue on. Uh, Honky continues. Um, in the past few years, he's not been able to participate, but he's always tried to listen to the screen and look forward to downloading it later. Questions are permission from uh, John Newstetter to use his mobile server. We need a stream. We need somebody to record it and possibly edit it. Most important part is. Uh, uh, participants um the last uh don't he didn't have john email john's email so that we'd have enough bandwidth to um record the, or to uh, stream the stream and he continues on um i'll jump forward to um Uh, I'll jump forward to my response to that, if you don't mind, uh, which was, um, yeah, I'm not able to, I don't have John uh, John's contact information about getting permission. So if somebody wants to do that, they can. The stream we have a set up from last year that um, John, um, that's on the VPS. So we could resurrect that unless somebody else has another plan. Uh, somebody to record it and edit it later. I will definitely do that because I'll need to post it. And I just found that if other people are given the responsibility to record it and edit it. I waste more time trying to get it from people than uh, and trying to coordinate that is just really turns into a saga as opposed to just work. Uh, most important part is participants um, and the participants need to fill out the show notes as we go. And on that, I put in a shared Ethernet pad or something like it that exports to HTML. Google Docs uh, last year was a complete and utter pain. If you are doing this, if you we are doing the community news, then the show notes have to be filled in at the same time. That's a requirement that I am imposing as as somebody because posting five hours of content and just going episode one, episode two, episode three, and episode four is just a pain. It's it um, devalues what's been discussed on the show, and it's nice. You're there. Somebody just fills in the thing. It's uh, it's not well. It's not a requirement. But there you go. 
Um, then we had uh, X1101 commenting, uh, the other option I see is to skip the show and just have the New Year's or annual time digital meetup. This allows everybody to catch up. Uh, uh, the catch-ups everyone seems to love without the overhead of recording and publishing, just a thought. So that's, uh, that's fine. And Kevin's got filtered for some reason. He sent it in HTML. It's it's there, but you have to drill down to, to see it, I think. Do you have it handy? Could you uh, read it? No. Okay, I'll do it. Just give me one second. Okay, uh, found it. Kevin said, My life being what it is, I cannot commit to doing anything for the New Year show this year, though just for the recording, that is how I get involved in HPR. For the record. Oh, for just the rec- for the record. That is how I got involved into HPR originally as a contributor and not the downloader. Very interesting. Didn't know that. Um, that's actually pretty cool. Um but it is a lot of work and it seems to fall on the same few people every year. So unless we have some serious commitments to organizing and run it, it would be fine with dropping it or just doing an abbreviated show. So your discussions, everybody, on the HPR mailing list. Dave, do you have anything else this fine night? Hello. Even if I did have anything else, sorry about that, um, then it's getting a bit late really, isn't it? Um, well, no, let's do another two and a half hours, Dave, because well, there's, there's no limit to the length shows can be <laughs> on HBR. I'm, which I'm also fine, means, yeah. Which also means you can do a five-minute episode if you want. <laughs> which actually, I, sometimes it's nice to have just a five-minute episode. You go, oh, that's nice, five-minute episode. I have covered everything on my list. I just just realised, so I'm good. I am. Um, I am actually now working on migrating the website out. We have on anhonesthost.com, gitlab.anhonesthost.com. We have a two sites. One where um, the admins have uh, stuff like the basically the entire website as it stands now. And as I sanitize and clean the pages up, I'm moving them one by one out to the public HTML site, which has got uh, all the things like the how we transcode the show and all the individual pages. And the goal is kind of that um, anybody can go to, anybody can sign up to the anhonesthost.com and sign in to the public stuff, you know, public with a username and password. And then if you make modifications to the web page, you can do them there and then we will publish them from there onto the website. Probably not automatically, but you, you know, you kind of get the idea as well. Mike Ray has pointed out that our accessibility is not brilliant. And I've also realized that in the last few weeks, especially with the discussions about reserving shows and stuff, that it is also not very clear about things where they are on the website because people seem surprised that, uh, you know, we used to be able to do this. This was on the website and I can't find it now. And then I point them to the web page and they say, oh, I've never seen this web page before. So that is entirely my fault because apparently my ordered brain is not the same as everybody else's. So what I'm going to do for the purpose of simplicity is uh, the website will be will still look exactly the same. You'll have home, get shows, give shows. There'll probably be a few more. Can you remember what the headings were, Dave? Get, give, something, something and something. 
I, I don't. I don't remember. I didn't. I didn't review that particular one. <laughs> I'm afraid. Uh, you did because you commented back on it. <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah, but then I forgot. So. <clears throat> yeah, fair enough. But anyway, the main menu bar will not be a drop down list. It'll just be a basic link, and then you you know get shows. It'll be a click, and then you get you go to a page, and there'll be one page on that, and you can read it. And then give shows will be something else. So uh, simplifying the whole menu structure. Uh, bringing some pages together, maybe putting doing it more as an FAQ summary at the top, and then if you want details, you click on the link and it brings you down to the uh, to the section underneath your good old old school HTML. Because we all love HTML, learn learn to use HTML. It's uh, it's no harm. So that is going slowly. Sorry, uh, Mike, um, but. Yeah, it's a, like a can of worms. I'm trying to do, do three things at the once one time, and uh, that can be also difficult. It's also difficult when the trains are full because the only time I get to work on that is uh, in and out to uh, work in the mornings. So if it rains, then everybody is on the train, and then I have to stand and I can't use my laptop. So <laughs> that explains that. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> well, it's the truth. <laughs> well, I, I quite believe it. Yeah, yeah. It just, it just formed an, an entirely different image in my mind as HPR sort of shuttling up and down uh, the train line every day. Yeah, that's it. And, I have, uh, I have a uh, hour and a half commute every day and 45 minutes of that, depending on the train I get, 45 minutes of that is HPR coding. Um, but again, if uh, so, that's potentially an hour and a half I can do per day for HBR stuff. But if I have to reply to emails or uh, do stuff on the website or the strangeness of posting shows or anything, then that's what that, uh, that hour and a half gets eaten up. And then I need to do something else afterwards. So yeah, there you go. That's it. Yeah. What I'll a life. Up. I'll hang up now. <laughs> okay. Oh, you're going to post them, right? Yep. Okay, we'll uh, stop recording and talk about that. Tune in tomorrow for another exciting episode of Hacker Public Radio. <laughs> Join us now. Oh, no. Share. <laughs>You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.